Suns fans, you know what time it is in the PHX. Empire of the Suns. Phoenix Suns. The Empire of the Suns podcast is brought to you by Sonic. Mmm, Sonic. Empire of the Suns. Hello there and welcome to the Empire of the Suns podcast. My name is Kellen Olson, joined as always by Kevin Zimmerman. What's up, man? Hello. How was your all-star break? Dude. It was a break and that was more than enough to say the least. Uh, how about you, Bob? I didn't watch any of the all-star things. I watched uh, pretty much all of it. I was at a wedding for to defend myself, but yeah. Did I miss anything? No, we love love around here. You know that. Yeah. That's a valid excuse. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, no. Uh, as always, I think that YouTube slash, or sorry, YouTube, Pro Bowl <laughs> slash All-Star content is amazing YouTube content, but it's not three-hour programming content. No. Um, there is a sick nine-minute video probably out that shows you all the fun moments from the four-hour broadcast for the skills competition and all that stuff. There's probably a really great eight-minute highlight video of the All-Star game that shows you when Dame hit it from half court or when Tyrese hit like five threes in the first six minutes, when Book had a left-handed windmill. Um, Was there a good halftime performance by any musical artist in the skills competition or I, otherwise? There's a thing you can do where you can eliminate sound coming from your TV when you want to and that's what I usually do during those segments of the broadcast basketball is back nearly we're nearly there it's Wednesday tomorrow Suns start off on the road against Dallas uh, back to back in, in Texas Houston on Friday then they are back home Kev the return of afternoon matinee Sunday games on ABC Suns have I don't know if this is the first one of the season this usually is like after the all-star break they have three ABC games after the all-star break those network executives love some kevin durant look at that yeah 130 against the lakers on sunday we talked a lot about the basketball team last episode in ways that could get redundant on this episode so we asked for questions to come in instead we'll get into a little bit of what i wrote about on the site through these questions which was how the suns can become elite after the all-star break because i think you and i would agree we don't even have to get into this, but you don't have them as a title contender right now, right? No, but... With the potential to become one. But, yes. With and the potential to become one. You, We can talk about your story a little later, but I think the framing of, okay, since, what, the Christmas bad loss against the Mavericks, they're top 10 in defense, they're top 3 in offense, correct? Um, so, that's 19-7... They have been pretty good lately, and pretty good doesn't win you a title, but there's at least the elements are there. Bradley Beal, by the way, supposed to expected. They hope he will be back and ready to go in this Mavs game. So you get Thad Young in the picture officially. Royce O'Neal looked good in the couple games he got out there. Um like things are looking up, I guess, and you have this roster of guys that you honestly can trust a little more than when we went into the trade deadline as far as role players and not knowing are you six people deep because <laughs> you need to be a little deeper than that. So I, I think they have a, a chance to, in 27 games, obviously make the jump into that. Yes, they might be title contenders as we thought they might be. Some things got to improve, though, and we're mm-hmm. going to talk about them. We took questions on Twitter. 
our friend Logan, dear friend Logan, mm-hmm. we love Logan. What changes would you guys like to see from the Suns players and coaching staff after the All Star break? And don't say stay healthy, stay healthy, Logan. <laughs> Can't tell me to not do Even- something and expect me not to do it. That is how I started my piece by saying stay healthy. But Logan, I will try to abide by your request in saying that instead of staying healthy, what I'm going to need to see is that nine game stretch where I'm like, this is the Bradley Beal I told you guys about. Mm-hmm. This is the guy who I believe, I believe, I did the exercise and everything in the offseason. I believe he's a top 30 player in the NBA. Would you have guessed that if you are a. If you are just a casual basketball fan who's a Suns fan and you've watched every game, would you guess he's a top 30 player? No. Would you guess that he's top 50? Maybe. Um, but he doesn't look like Bradley Beal. And guess what? That's just been some bad injury luck. He has this really great stretch. He has those 37 points against the Lakers. There's that road game against the Pelicans. He plays really well in. There's uh, 25 points against Indy uh, at home in a really good win. And then there is a game in Dallas where he has 20 points, 7 rebounds, 7 assists, a steal and a block. And you look at the box score and you're like, he had that? Wow, that's pretty good. He needs to be that guy more. Next game, he breaks his face. Yeah. Uh, it takes him a while because he, he broke his nose. Uh, guess what? 43 points, 25 uh, points, 30 points uh, in a three-game stretch. Cool. Starting to look like Brad the Beal again. Two games later, he tweaks his hamstring. Uh, it, it is what it is. We are 55 games into the season, and we have not seen that stretch that I've been talking about for a while now, where I believed we were going to eventually get it. And I still believe we are, but now I have more doubt because over half the season is over. And it is not as simple as this. I believe there are other parts of their faults that are a lot more simple than this. But changes after the All-Star break specifically for players. Just need Bradley Beal to start looking like Bradley Beal. And I will add this before I hand it back to you. I've said it numerous times. I feel the need to cite it every time. He has the hardest role on the team. He gets to be Bradley Beal for like eight minutes a game, maybe. Yeah. That's it. And then the other 27, he's got to figure out how to still be a really effective basketball player when he's been the man on a team for six years now um he's done it in the past with john wall things like that we've talked about ad nauseum but once we start to go this is a real legitimate big three and bradley beal is starting to look like bradley beal i think that is the the biggest step for them to take and by default because of his injury history this year uh kevin he's the guy that has to stay healthy he cannot miss three weeks six weeks some period in that juncture he's going to miss a game or two here and there that's fine but if he misses like 30 percent or more of this time i think this team is in trouble well i guess i want to ask how do you frame bradley beal looking like bradley beal because to me that means he's attacking maybe he's pushing 25 30 points a game and i i personally don't think he needs to jump into that realm but in those pockets where he is the lead guard and and katie and book are subbing out for the first time like does he flip the switch and just even for a couple minutes take over can he do that and then go back to okay i'm going to dive on the ball for the loose floor i'm going to pick up an important defensive assignment i'm going to run point and maybe attack more out of that and create things for others like I guess, how do you judge him when he's is in that awkward role? Like, because I, I, for me, part of it is he's never going to take on a role that he's been on at any other team in his career, but he will fall into 25 points a game and have some good role player moments and not even take over for large chunks. And, and again, he can finish with 25 points. And I think that's where I want to see him. Do you 
see something more from him like he's not hit that superstar level yet where he's a top 20 no it's not it's not like that at all and the reason why i wanted to bring up the two different stretches is because the first one where he wasn't scoring 43 25 and 30 he was very very good yeah uh for six games and his highest scoring effort was 25 uh, against indy the New Orleans game is the one to me because I watched that game and I remember tweeting about it during that game. Like Bradley Beal's been awesome in this game. He had 13.7 rebounds and five assists. Like yeah, he, okay. The box score was kind of like a oh, okay, he was probably fine thing. Uh, whereas I watched the game and he was tremendous. Yeah. So I don't think it's a numbers thing. I think that it is more of an eye test thing, and I think it is more of like a. Wait, he had 27 and 7, like the Dallas game. Yeah, where it's like, they, I didn't even notice him, but he just, yeah. But he found a way to produce within yes. the microcosm, whatever, however you want to put it, right? Um, like the Utah game, he had 30 points and 7 assists. Like, I mean, that's, yeah. you're going to get a couple of games like that. But that's the thing. It's like, can they win a play a seven-game playoff series if you don't get, like, a really great Bradley Beal performance like that, like 30 points and 7 assists? You probably don't, right? right. So you do need that in, to some extent. But if he's just killer role player Bradley Beal, super duper role player, Bradley Beal. The comparison, I, I make comparisons and people get confused a lot because they don't understand what I'm doing, but it's it's a Drew Holiday thing. Do you remember games you'd watch the Bucks during the finals run? You're like, Drew Holiday's been their best player. Yeah. And it's like, how is he their best player when he's scoring 14 points? Yeah. Bradley Beal can do that with what he does on the court. Yeah. Not on defense, not saying defense. I'm saying rim pressure, moving the ball, hitting open threes, conducting the offense when Booker is out seeing slippage for two minutes and doing the Devin Booker thing where for three minutes he takes over and self-stabilizes the team on his own. Just a couple buckets here or there. Yeah. Kind of stuff. You just need to see that. That's Honestly, all I need to see. Even if, if you got one, like Bradley Beal was the best Suns player, if you got one of those every four or five games in the playoffs, I think you're in a good spot. Like, where he's their best player, he has to take over scoring. Like, might not even be every five games, maybe every six games. Yeah, let's say you make the Western Conference Finals. That means that you've played 12 games, maybe 13, probably, if you're playing some tight series. In those, let's say, 12 games, you need him to be your best player in at least three of those, I think. Two or three. Unless Devin Booker looks like he did did last postseason or Kevin Durant has his best postseason Which is absolutely possible. Which is very possible, which is why this team is a contender in all... Yes. Like, you, we can say they're not a contender, but their potential always makes them he a contender. He needs to be there to be able to do that, though. And that's the availability part. Yes. And he cannot look like that guy unless he's getting opportunities to mesh with his team. Because if Grayson Allen gets hurt for four weeks, I don't feel the same way because he's had all this time on the floor. Even if Yusuf Nurkic gets hurt for, for 15 games, they I think might that lose a lot of games, but yeah. You might, yeah, you might be in the play in all of a sudden. Um, but. He's had enough time to acclimate, and I think he's been okay. But everyone else playing off of him and figuring out where his role fits in, I think that's where it gets a little bit more different. Spark Notes version of the rest of my story to go uh, through Logan's question. Uh, fourth quarter. Over the 19-7 and seven run since Christmas, since the Christmas loss, they are still the worst fourth quarter team in the league by a oh, discernible bad. margin. The, the numbers are actually worse than they were <laughs> during the 14-15 and 15 year. Not by much, but they're still worse, and that's crazy to me. If they are not, I said it on the radio, I think my, my bar... Can they be a top 20 team in net rating for these last 27 games in the fourth quarter? Can they do it? <laughs> can they be top 20? Can they be below average in the fourth quarter? If they can't, I'm not picking them to win any playoff series. Mm. I can't do it. Yeah. I, I was having the conversation with Luke and uh, Wolf, and I looked at Luke. I was like, I'm sorry I'm making this so simple-minded, but it's like he was like, yeah, you have to win close games in the playoffs. And I was like, okay, thank you. Like I'm just like... 
fourth quarter. That's what it's the fourth important. quarter. It's there. All of these games, nearly all of these games, are going to be close. Like if you're playing a real good playoff team, which I think you are at any point in the Western Conference now going forward. Even if you're up 15 going into the fourth, they're going to challenge you and get it down to six. And this Respond team, when it gets down to six, Respond it, a little. it doesn't go. It goes one direction and not the direction you would want it to go. Um, we'll talk about small ball here in a little bit. Um, I mentioned small ball quite significantly. And then math. Uh, I looked up all of the numbers where the Suns rank when they lose games because it's mm-hmm. like, okay, those numbers can sometimes tell you how teams are losing games. For example, the Celtics, Nuggets, teams like that. They shoot 32% from three when they lose. It's like they're just not hitting threes, and it's very black and white. The Suns are top five in three-point percentage among all the teams when they're losing. So it's like it's actually not a make-or-miss thing because their field goal percentage is the best of any team so during losses. So they're lying to us in the first half of the season? They're not lying to us in the first half of the season. What they're doing is they're turning the ball over more than anyone yes. else does in losses. Like yeah. all teams among losses, their still turnover numbers are terrible. Their offensive rebounding numbers or rebounding numbers in general, I guess that would be defensive rebounding numbers for them, are terrible. Uh, and then three-point attempts. They're last in three-point attempts per game in losses, and I believe they are nearly let's, last in the league. I let's dive remember. into that real quick because I think that's been a carryover from the Monty Williams era. and Except the turnovers. Yes, but I'm in those three specifically because what's weird about it is like you look at their best players, you look at the people. I know Yuta is gone now and was supposed to be part of this in our thought processes. Damian Lee was in this because I like most of the preseason I was writing about. They have two of the best corner three-point shooters and none of them panned out or or Lee hasn't panned out yet because he's been hurt, which isn't obviously his fault. Um but, like, do you think that they will take more threes, basically? Because they have the personnel to take lots of threes. They have a great floor spacers, and Grayson Allen's number one in accuracy. Eric Gordon just pulls the defense vertically out past, way past three-point line. And for some reason, and maybe that is the reason, like, teams are like, no, we're not letting you shoot threes, and, and we're going to let you attack in the mid-range and, and live with it. Um so I guess, are you surprised that they're just not producing from beyond the arc, I guess? No, I'm not surprised because there is a lack of commitment. Yeah. There is the notion that they have to take threes. At what, guess what? When they play faster and they take threes, what does everyone say after the game? I liked how we shot threes. I liked how we picked That's up the pace. They do admit it. They admit they when it happens. They know. But when we sort of get to that point, uh, I don't really think we get there. Um, I think some of the talking about threes ignores the fact that they're such a good team about getting to the line. Yeah. Um, that has to be said. They're an elite team at getting to the line, and that will dissuade some of the numbers a little bit because when you're forcing teams in rotations, that's when they foul, and that's when threes happen as well. Uh, but they got to commit to it more, and I think that the only fix now is to go small more because I don't know what else can fix it we're 55 games in i don't know why they're not taking more threes but they're not and they need to try something else different with the lineup so i do think that they uh need to go small more and that's where we get to chase's question Uh, we like chase not as much as logan but chase is fine uh what five player lineup would you anticipate will log the most fourth quarter minutes in the playoffs this is what we like to call in the business a trick question because Uh chase expects us to say the starters but i think what chase really wants to ask is is there a chance another lineup outside of the starting lineup is the more frequently used lineup in closing situations? Um, let me kick it to you. 
Oh. Royce O'Neal has to close, right? I think so, yeah. How do you do that then? He has to basically be a small ball five or at least a four. Can't sit Grayson Allen. You can't sit any of the big three. No. How else do you get him on the floor? That's I just five? We're already at five? That's five. You sit Grayson for crunch time? Grayson's been awesome. Guards the point guards. Hasn't been super exposed. The best three-point shooter in the league, nearly best 50% in the right league. Now. That's pretty simple, yeah. Um, are there other candidates? Like, the Eric Gordon lineups, when you look at lineup data, have all been pretty good, even mm-hmm. though, like, I don't think we've probably not talked about him a ton this season. He's been, like, what we thought maybe. Don't think he can close. Yeah, because he he's has to passing play over, up shots. He has to play over one of those other guys. And he's passing up shots. If he's rolling, he can be in that conversation, but... Don't know why he's passing up shots in some of these fourth quarters, but he's doing it. And if Eric Gordon is doing it, a guy who is a bucket, a terrific offensive player, for some reason he's passing up shots. And if he's doing it, can't be out there. Not Royce O'Neal's got to be out there because he's going to shoot it. I think we're pretty solid on the answer here, but oh, I don't know if you would. I anticipate. I anticipate the starting lineup still. I think they'll still close with Nurkic more often than not. Maybe that is three yeah. years of Monty Williams getting to me, uh, but we'll see. Maybe it hey, is. W- when I did the fourth quarter look like a few, what, a month back, Nurk's numbers in the fourth were actually the best. Do you agree with me that at least in closing, do you, okay, Thad. Someone asked about yes, that as yes. well. Um, I'll go find the question since we're bringing it up. I didn't know if he was going to come up organically, so I so will. I will say Frank was on Bickley and Murata today. That was Logan too. Logan, just this why Thanks, we love Logan. Logan. Logan's always on it. Why do you guys see Thad's? What do you guys see Thad's role being on this team? Do you expect Bol Bol to lose minutes to him now? Uh, I don't know because they're playing Bol Bol in these super big lineups because I think they really want size. Mm-hmm. And their answer is Bol Bol at the four and Katie at the three, and that's like it kind of covers. He's been kinda, decent on defense. The rebounding, yes. I think Bol Bol still needs enough. to play. Yeah. So I don't think so. I think Thad, if any, if he's going to take anyone's minutes, it should be Eubanks. Eubanks. I don't think Thad is a four at this stage of his career. I think he's a five. Um, that's where he's been used a lot. I was going to say Frank on Bickley and Murata this morning said five before four mm. when he was quickly mentioning Thad. You're now, subconscious. I'm overlo- overthinking this. Overtime, Frank. Yeah, I'm overthinking this probably, but he said five, four, five think he's a situational five logan to answer your question that they will use based on certain matchups i think something i talk about a lot on this podcast that people overthink is how volatile playing a guy can be when you're playing them against other reserves and Mm -hmm. it's like look if the backup center is daniel tice thad can be out there (laughs) that's okay um if this is one of those things where it's milwaukee and they're doing the thing where Giannis sits early and then comes back in and now he's playing five Uh uh-oh maybe we actually do need that to cover Giannis but the Bobby Portis matchup I'm like ah do I want Eubanks out there because now we're what if they're playing Giannis and Portis together now we need stuff on the glass like there are certain matchups where it's not going to work but I think in closing lineups I don't think that it's uh because at that point just playing Nurkic yeah because you're still the spacing still a little bit not off but it's just more normalized mm-hmm. you don't get the vault the uh 
flamethrower spacing. I think that the term that Vogel used was the laser lineup is the one that they call it, which is the Gordon and Allen small look. Um, you lose the laser spacing um, with Thad one, there. One interesting thing about Thad is he had a couple seasons where he was like a decent three-point shooter, did not take many at all, but like last three, two, three years, he's just not taken threes. So one, does he get a green light at all? I would expect to know, and he was never like a volume guy in any way. But if that's the case and he's not a spacer himself, he does operate further out, so it matters a little bit and pulls the defense a little bit. And could you play him with bowl? Thad no shoot threes. We we talked about that. We didn't yeah. bring this up, but so there are people listening who don't know Thaddeus Young's three point numbers, which I'll bring up right now. Used to be like a okay, we're fine with you taking them in like a, one in a, a game. Nurkic yeah. facility where, for example, he hit three and a half a game for Chicago wow. four years ago, and he was at thirty six percent. Uh, but he has attempted in the last like six this year season and a half. He has attempted forty total. Yeah, six this year. You are correct. Wow. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I think it is just everything's going to be matchup based to get to the very concise point. Pessimistic there. Suns fan. I think this could be a lot of different people, but it's that's an actual handle. His handle is Yevgeny. <laughs> Okay. Kogosov? Kogosov? I'm, Igor Kokoshkov comes in my head with that pronunciation, and that's where my brain wants to go. Were we to foul in the fourth I, I know Yevgeny. No, I think sorry. I'm nailing Yevgeny really well. Uh, Yevgeny, <laughs> I'm going to just say your name, brother. I'm sorry. Uh, who would you like to take our last spot? Yevgeny, noted uh, like assistant GM, actually, shadow GM. Yes, this is a good question. Which position in any candidates you possibly like? Or should Lee, as in Saban Lee, I believe, uh, take that last spot? Because they're at 14 right now, right? Mm-hmm. Damien Lee update, by the way, everyone always asks. Um, Frank's last answer did not inspire optimism for me. In my head, I had March. Sometime in March, probably the back half as opposed to the front half. Uh, hasn't done anything in practice yet. Hasn't done any on-court activities yet. He said they're hopeful to get him back in get him involved by the end of the season. Now, it does involve me like get him back on the practice court or get him on the... I don't know. I don't know these things. Uh, but he's talking about Saban Lee. Who would you like? Uh, did any of your bio candidates or any of those fellas still out there? Probably, but none of them inspire great joy in me. To or, pay $7 million more on the luxury tax bill this no. year or like whatever they would um, cost for HBA? Yeah. Even like that was atop that bio guys list. Very good get. Functional. Can play rotation minutes if you need him. Otherwise, nah. Like... The two guys. Isn't Daniel still out there, your boy? He is out there, probably, huh? Uh, that is a good point. I think the team is what it is at this point. But the, yeah, it's like I don't know why you would play him over anyone else unless someone got hurt. So that would be like super insurance. But like the two guys on, well, two of the three guys on two ways, which is Savinly, Udoka, like. They are the types that I would think they need. You need another big body because if Nurk goes down, like Eubanks is pretty big, but just another insurance guy in case you have to play the Zubaches, the Jokic's, etc. And then a downhill lead ball handler. Like, I don't know if Saban Lee can hold up to a great degree in the playoffs, but you at least have someone who can really take pressure off the other the big three and pressure the ball 
and again like the downhill stuff that he does getting in the lane getting fouls um to to my point about hammering campaign was super important on the past teams like he's that guy now and i would say just sign one of those guys and i'd probably lean toward lee saban lee you yeah saban's earned it yeah knows the system has been there for two full years knows how guys play and like look if you get in a playoff series and you need to play him like what's he gonna do he's not gonna be taking crazy shots he's the turnover issues that he might have you worry about but aggressiveness on offense and defense i think that would help this team yeah scott coleman how many wins do we need to be top four? I think Scott is a equipment manager, like Jay Gaspar's assistant, maybe. I'm having fun with that bit. Can't you tell? How many wins to be top four? Hey, Scott, I did some research for oh. for us, for us, because we're friends, Scott. Oh. NBA regular season wins over under. The sound that Kevin just made infers the chances of this happening. Uh, Oklahoma City's over under right now is 55 and a half. Goodness gracious. The Minnesota Timberwolves over under is 56 and a half. The Clippers over under right now is 55 and a half. And the Denver Nuggets is 54 and a half. It looks like, Scott, we're looking mid 50s is where you're going to have to get to get top four. Don't think that's happening. They would have to go what? Like 27 20 games se- left. 20 and 7. 19, which is basically on pace 19 and 8 or that would be 52 yes 21 and 6 would be 54 so basically if they keep the same pace that they've been on since christmas they would be there with the hardest Close. schedule remaining in the league with the hardest schedule yeah mm. um someone did the I think they're going to be five or six is my answer uh but yeah. the uh how many wins do we uh do we need it seems like uh what you need scott is mid 50s reasonably yeah and more realistically to feel absolutely like right now i'm telling you your top four if you hit this number 55 yes. so 22 and five in the last 27 it's a lot of mileage i'll go back to chase our listener who has provided us with so much content and he said, we have 14 games with teams that currently have a better record than the Suns. Out of 27. That's a lot. That's more than the other ones. And he listed them off for us. So. Oh, shout out Two to against the Celtics, two against the Wolves. I'm assuming he's correct. So someone can rip the man who's helped don't us. doubt Chase. Like, I'm not, not like you doubt Chase. fact check Chase. I don't want don't to fact check that. He was Chase born right in 1478, man. He's been around <laughs> a minute. Oh, sorry. Two Celtics, two Wolves, two Thunder, two Nuggets, two Clippers, two Cavs, 176ers, one Bucks. Uh, seven. That's against all. There's like two against all the top three West teams. Four, four West teams. Yeah, seven. <laughs> They'll win seven. Seven. Uh, yeah. And if you get when it, do they get Cleveland? Because Cleveland is on fire right now. They get Cleveland on March 11th and April 3rd. So maybe they cool off a bit. Denver's in a bit of a rut right now. They get them on March 5th and March 27th. Uh, the big ones coming up right now are Oklahoma City on March 3rd, like I said, uh, and then Denver on March 5th. That'll be fun. How about that? And then Boston on March 9th. That's a fun week. Jeez Louise. And then they go to, <laughs> whoa. And then they go to Cleveland two days later, and then they go to Boston three days later. That is a stretch. The Fighting Toronto Raptors on March 8th. Need I forget? March 7th. Need I forget? Come on. RJ Barrett, do you still believe? 
hey, he's had he's on my fantasy team. He's been pretty good. Good for him, man. I haven't set my lineup this week. I should probably. Do I love Emmanuel quickly. Always, always have. Darko's doing stuff out there, banging tables. Good entertainment. I don't know if the Raptors are any good, though. Good news is you get the Sixers on March 20th, and I don't think Embiid will be back by then. I mean, I say these things, and these freaks of nature, like, find a way to get back. Yeah. You know what would be super unchill, Kev? What's unchill? Is if you needed to win games in the last 10. Uh Uh-oh. Because here are their last 10 games. At Denver. At OKC. At New Orleans. Home against Cleveland. Home against Minnesota. Home against New Orleans. Then a back-to-back. Home against the Clippers. Away to the Clippers. At Sacramento. At Minnesota. Why do they do the home-away thing? Anyway. I don't know, man. It's weird. Uh, The home-and-home thing from the COVID years was so sick. It's like the NBA script writers have scripted this mm. schedule to be entertaining like those, like for the team NFL that was slapped writers. together with a bunch of good players you haven't ever played with each other and now are coming together and going to jail at possibly the right time or will it be the right time? I don't know. My point, Chase and Scott, is that the schedule's really hard. It's real hard. Seems hard. Difficult. Challenging. I think they'll get to like 47, 48, 49, somewhere in there. High 40s. They'll be good. But injury stuff like mm-hmm. one that are that start of week that start of march and then the start of april those are last week of march and then the first week of march are like the two pockets of the schedule where i would say you're gonna need the full squad for those to come out pretty okay i gotta go be on the radio man fair enough i think we've covered all the important questions how's the kid doing the child can you ask the child about caleb love next time you see him how how's boswell doing he's back a little a bit. little bit it's just like do i want to believe in this umar balo resurgence or not i don't know do you think okay you know how I believe in like and I see things in the world like it's like a pie chart right like mm-hmm. it's not just one thing like there's a plenty of reasons why something happens and you can cut them all out do you think that I am on that pie chart for what I said about Tommy Lloyd last episode and then he gets extended am it's I on the pie chart uh, yeah the man upstairs has the pie chart being like ooh he heard I the heard streets that. rumbling he heard the streets the end of the podcast so if this rumbling. guy drops one to Chattanooga on a Thursday <laughs> The streets will be talking, and he said, no, no, no. I need him here. He extended, so we keep this up. I haven't looked at the schedule, but are you covering the Arizona-Arizona State battle? I am, yeah. Okay. And I asked our boss if I could just write it as a U of A recap, and we'll see. I don't know. Because we go there as ASU people. Like we, we cover ASU games. You know, We don't cover U of A games. We're in a weird spot. We are the flagship radio station of the Sun Devils, but also... We are Arizona Sports, and you know what's in Arizona, Tucson. The best basketball team in the state, baby. Until the- Could the Arizona Wildcats beat the Phoenix Suns? Yeah, that's what I'm doing, obviously. <laughs> you guys get what I'm saying. I'm saying I don't think I'm on the pie chart, but I think I'm on the pie chart. You know what I mean? You're somewhat... Some Galactically, I inspired something. There's a sliver of you in there. That's Not how even vibes until work. the next episode. That's how vibes work. Do you know how vibes work? I do. Yeah. Okay. Big vibes guy. <laughs> Thanks everyone for your questions. Uh, we'll be back next week to uh, talk about more basketball, I guess. 
What is, unless you got anything else you want to bring to the table next week. <laughs> we we might have done that. Okay. Go, go get some tater tots, everyone. See you later. <laughs>